If you don't put in the work, then you're not going to get the results. I did drop three stone, 25 kilos. It took me 18 months to do it, but I go to the gym for two hours a day, five days a week. I don't do diets. I eat what I want. I drink what I want. I don't watch calories or anything like that, but I put in the work. And that's like you say with anything, everything is possible. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have a very, very active and lively guest today. She does a million things. She's a journalist. She organizes the Liverpool Lifestyle Awards, the Liverpool Fashion Week. She's the director of a magazine here in Cyprus, which is called Lifestyle Living Cyprus. I think there's a hundred other things that we're going to find out that she does now. She has kids. We will find out a lot more about her during this interview. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, um, Amanda Rachel Moss. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Really excited to be here. It's a huge pleasure. We met once. We met through the Global Woman Club, but I haven't had really so much time to uh, to find out about you. And I didn't know that you were a travel addict as well. Tell me a little Love bit. When was, the, when was the first time you were on a plane? Oh, well, the first I know I went traveling as a baby because I've seen pictures of me as a baby. But the first time I remember going traveling, I was 14. I went to Spain for two weeks to Torremolinos, which is what everybody did in the 80s. So that was the first taste of, and then I got the bug. But then we went to Tenerife the next year. And from that moment onwards, I knew that I wanted to go traveling. So, but um, my family didn't travel a lot as um, they, they were very middle class, but they were just very tight. Well, you know, it's not like it is now where really, really everybody travels. I mean, in those days, and especially people went on holidays once a year. I mean, now people sometimes go three, four times and it's all normal. But people saved money to go on holidays once a year. And and Torre Molinos was a cool place to go to. Well, exactly. I hated the, uh, the, the British climate from a young age. I've got diaries from when I was 12 saying that I'm going to buy a place abroad. I can't stand living in this country. So it was something from like very early on from my adolescence that I realized I didn't want to stay in the UK. Couldn't stand the weather, couldn't stand the traffic, the the whole lifestyle. And of course, I grew up with watching Dynasty and things like that. And I lived in a you know, this fantasy world everybody where the sun always shined and everybody was glamorous. And, you know, fortunately, Britain in the 80s was not glamorous. <laughs> so. But that, that says a lot. I mean, there's two things that you just said. Now, you, you wrote in a diary that you want to live somewhere warm. And that happened. You did that. And also watching, you know, you watched Dynasty and you, you went into fashion, right? Yeah. I, I mean, people say I lead a really glamorous lifestyle, which, of course, they just see the, you know, the tip of the iceberg. They, is with anything in business, and you know, they don't see the, you know, the 14 hour days and the staying up all night and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, I work hard to have this glamorous lifestyle. I travel every month. Um, I do a lot of press trips. Oh, I did before COVID. But um, I fly back and forth to the UK because my children are in the UK. I live in Cyprus. I bought a holiday home here in 2008. Um, and I always intended to move here because I'd never heard of Cyprus before I actually bought this place. But I actually planned to live abroad. So I remortgaged my house in the UK with the intention of buying. And me and my ex-husband, we went all around the world pretty much traveling, looking. We went to France, Montenegro. Belgium, Turkey, Cyprus, Florida, 
because both my brothers live in America. So in Italy, we looked everywhere and then he couldn't make a decision. So I just said, right, well, I'm I'm going to make the decision. And uh, here I am. <laughs> yeah, this is quite an interesting situation because you live half of the year or half of the time here, but your kids live in England. Yeah, it wasn't planned this way. I have six kids. I'm very close to them. And ironically, I think I'm closer to my children than a lot of people actually live with them. <laughs> like full time. So my marriage was disintegrating and my older children, sort of like late, sort of, you know, 19, 20, they basically, they see how happy I am in Cyprus because my ex doesn't like to travel a lot. Um, so I bought the place so that I could bring my children on holiday every year because he was reluctant, didn't like the heat and didn't like going away as much as I did. And basically every time I went home, I, every time I locked the door, I'd cry. <laughs> you know, and then then it was coming to lockdown. You know, and I was actually planning on launching. I'm the big manifesto. I I was planning on uh, bringing the lifestyle magazine to uh, Cyprus because I've been doing it in Liverpool for 14 years. You know, six years ago I tried, but it wasn't the right time. But then I met uh, a businessman here on holiday. Uh, we just became really good friends, and he said, "Why don't you do it again?" And I was like, "Yeah, well, why don't I?" So. I was flying back and forth before the pandemic um, for like three months and he was helping me set up the tax and the accountants and, and doing all the business stuff, which was great. And then lockdown happened and I was sort of stuck in the UK and I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can spend, I, you know, I, I can't imagine not traveling to Cyprus because I, by then I was flying every month because like you said, it's cheap as chips. And um, I was—I woke up every day crying and my two eldest children got me in my bathroom and said, mom, just move to Cyprus. You're happy there. So uh, that was what I needed to, because the whole guilt of, and you know, you lose 99% of your so-called friends and the judgments of, you know, that why is it okay for men to go off to, you know, to um, on business trips, but it's not okay for women. And I know I've got an extended business trip, but, People work in the army and they're away for a year at a time. People are relocated and have to work. You know, it's just like, uh, I say people need educated, but actually their opinion of me doesn't matter anymore. But yeah, oh, I totally agree. I think this is one of the most liberating feelings ever when you stop worrying about what other people yes. think of you. And the thing is, what do they know? And as you say, your kids probably have such a good time when they actually are with you and you have so much more patience when you actually are with them. And uh, who, who has invented this concept anyway? You know, it, it's it's up to us to create how we want to live. And as long as everybody is happy or fairly happy because nobody is always happy, then it's nobody's business to tell you how to do things. No, but what I've given my children is a love of travel because they've traveled every year from when they were born. Um, the first thing they got was, you know, they got the passport as soon as they got the birth certificate. But they've been able to come to Cyprus for the entire month of August last year and the year before when most people couldn't travel. Also, having like brothers in New York, they fly to New York all the time. Like this year, uh, my two eldest are going off to see their cousins. Some people have, have a fear of travel or they're, you know, they don't like 
being on their own and going into airports and stuff. But my children are so independent um, and I've given them, I've shown them that you can live your dreams. You don't have to settle in, in, in a relationship that you're unhappy with, in a situation, an environment that you don't like. I've taught them that they they are the creators of their own happy lives. And, and they know that and they're grateful for that. I wonder where they got that from, because you were <laughs> telling me, you were telling me that you started traveling quite young on your own or with a friend where, where you went to Australia. Yes. Well, I've, I had a boyfriend from 16 to 23 and uh, I literally, we, we became like this old married couple really young. We, we did really lovely stuff that I'd love to do now like going to the Ritz for afternoon tea and walking around Camden Market and doing really lovely stuff. But I was too young to appreciate all that. And I was just like, we'd go to Mallorca every year and I'd want to go clubbing and he'd just want to go out to a nice restaurant and, you know, do stuff, sip wine. And I didn't drink wine. I still don't really. But so when we split up, because I realised I wanted more out of life, I spoke to my boss. I was um, working for Yorkshire Television as a producer and I said to my boss I was on a contract I said can you just have a break in my contract so it's not renewed straight away give me six weeks uh, before you renew it and they said yes and the same day in those days you walked into a travel agent and booked your ticket and so and that's what I did and I just went to Sydney because I just booked a return flight to Sydney because it was a place that I'd always wanted to go I'm very spontaneous it was just like I need to do it if I don't do it um, so that was amazing. And of course, being on my own. I love being on my own. <laughs> I love traveling on my own. And, you know, I met so many people in the airport before we'd even got to Sydney. You know, half the plane was full of travelers. I was 25. It was just brilliant. And the whole freedom of deciding where you want to go, you know, that day and not having to be in an itinerary. I love it. I love it. And the following year, uh, I arranged to meet up with some of the people that I'd met up that year. We went to Bali. And again, it was just, I love adventures. I love not knowing, you know, what's going to happen. Then I met my ex-husband. I was with him 25 years and um, he didn't like going traveling. And the first argument we had was that he he planned to take time off work to go and we were going to book something and book something, but he didn't. And it got to the day of the, we were both taking time off work. You know, you have these set, you know, weeks that you had. And I just thought, well, you know, screw this. I'm not waiting for you. So I drove the car to the airport. And in those days, you could buy tickets at the desk. And I just booked a a flight to New York. And I literally just had my handbag, a toothbrush, a credit card, and one pair of clean pants. And that was it. I was on a plane. And then I I phoned him from the airport. Because, again, in those days, you didn't have mobile phones. And I said, I'll see you in a week. I'm going to see my brother. I'm, uh, I'm going on holiday. And that's, you know, I just love the spontaneity of of just not knowing what you're going to do. I've been fortunate to have press trips through work, been to Mexico, Chichen Itza, I went to Japan. I reported on the Nintendo game show in Tokyo in 1992 at the very height of when um, computer video games were exploding onto the screen. So that was incredible. But again, I think I was too young to appreciate I appreciate it then because now I love sushi, but in those days I didn't like Japanese food. So I was like searching around all the rows looking for McDonald's. Oh my God. (laughs) It's not so easy. (laughs) (laughs) No, but while I was searching, 
I'd be in like a really fantastic street of neon buildings and, you know, really like something like, like something, um, you know, very futuristic. And then you turn a corner and you'd be in this like Japanese garden with a temple. And it was just like stunning. Yeah, I've been, I've been everywhere really. And another thing is that my children um, have always gone on um, a trip around Europe. We've always gone away for like a long weekend every year. So they'd have their summer holiday in Cyprus, but then we'd do like a city break. So we've been pretty much everywhere in Europe again. I want to go back a little bit to those days when you were traveling on your own, when you went to Australia and Bali. Did you ever have a situation where you felt unsafe or did you have ever a situation where you, when anything bad happened to you? No, but I am ridiculously crazy and reckless. So there's plenty of situations where I could have got into problems. Um, I was in Brisbane in the middle of, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, We were in, uh, I was in a youth hostel and everybody was back then smoking weed and it was like two in the morning and bus rocks up out of nowhere. I mean, we are so remote. Does anybody want to go to a phone party? So I got on the bus and went to a phone party. (laughs) Nobody else wanted to go. They were just like chilling and I love dancing. I even now, I love dancing. So, so yeah, I did that. Another time um, I was on um, a beach in Queensland, completely remote, in the middle of nowhere, and I was sunbathing. It was clear blue sky, and, then, and my eyes were closed, and then there was just like a shadow. So I looked up thinking, oh, God, is it clouding over? There was a guy standing over me. <laughs> and he says, he goes, you look hungry. Do you want to come back to my house to eat? And I was. I was starving. I was such an idiot. I went back to this guy's house. He just made me a sandwich and a drink, and then we went back to the beach. <laughs> I mean, how bloody stupid is that? Oh, I know. I know. I did things like that. I mean, in my 20s, when I think of how lucky I was so times, don't you now think about, you know, now you have kids, and I sometimes, I don't want my kids to know what I did. No, not to be stupid like me, because that was stupid. Another time I was in Bali, I was in a coffee shop, and this guy rocks up on a motorbike, like a little moped. And he had this iguana on his sleeve. And he said, um, you stop being in. I was in Kuta, which was the place where all the backpackers go. And he goes, well, come and see real Bali. Come and let me show you real Bali. And of course, I'm, I'm always looking for an adventure. So again, I hop on the bike. I'm a complete stranger. <laughs> he drives me off. Into we're, we're on his bike for like an hour. We're going into the middle of nowhere. He, he takes me past factories for um, major brands where I can see sweatshops, which I wouldn't have seen normally. He took me through, through the rice paddy fields, which I wouldn't have seen unless I'd gone on some fake tourist trip. And he took me the most humbling place and completely privileged to see it. He took me to his home village and it was just mud huts, poverty. You know, it was like what you see on the TV, the kids in the street with no shoes on, the family making like pots of fire in the middle of the in the middle of the street. All it was and then I spent the afternoon there as their guest. And it was, you know, if I hadn't have taken that risk, and yes, I'm thinking, oh my God, I went off into, you know, pretty much the jungle with a complete stranger again. Anything could have happened. And again, no phones back then. But if you don't take risks. You know, you live such a boring life, you know. I'm so grateful. 
Yeah. I absolutely agree. I agree with you. Yes. And I, I mean, this is the thing and, and, you know, there is a, there is a very, very fine line between taking a risk and, you know, if you don't do it, it's not, you're never going to have all these adventures on the other hand. You also need to have a little faith and a little luck and maybe a little intuition. Sometimes you know that it's, you know, I think believing and I believe that very much and I believe it up to now. When you believe that everything is going to go well, it is going to go well. Yeah, there was actually a scary moment. I was in a youth hostel and there was nobody there and I was in this dormitory on my own. And um, a friend of mine who I'd met was in the shower um, and I, it was late and I'd gone to bed and somebody had broken in and there was a guy standing on the end of my bed and he did, he looked very menacing. My friend came out of the shower and he ran off. But that was, I think, the closest I've been to danger. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. And now that you're saying that, I had an experience when I was working in the, in the north of Greece. I was working in Skiathos and I had an apartment which was ground floor. And one night I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning and I woke up and there was a guy next to me, next to my bed, kneeling. And I, of course, I was terrified and I jumped up and I he saw me and ran out the window and I went to the police the next day because I wanted to know what was going on it was a very small island and the police chief said to me you know it's the village idiot he does that all the time don't (laughs) don't pay any attention to him and I thought yeah thank you very much you know how terrifying this is when you wake up and there is somebody next to your bed but yeah Again, now you were mentioning press trips. I want to know a little bit more about those press trips. Do you get invited to go to these um, different countries? Yeah, because I've got a magazine in Cyprus. I've got a magazine in the UK. Plus, you know, my journalist background, uh, you know, I've written for local and national newspapers. So um, I'm on people's radar, which is, you know, very lucky. So, yeah, I've been to Mexico. Um, I've been to Luxembourg. I've been to Porto on a wine tasting trip, which was hilarious. As I said, I don't drink wine. (laughs) But, you know, it's like I embraced all these experiences because I did drink the wine. I did drink the port. I've been to Spain. We went, I went to uh, on a dolphin watching trip in Spain. Very lucky. I've been to Los Angeles. That was actually, that wasn't a press trip, but I turned it into a press trip. Because I turn things into a, I do bucket list things, I manifest things, and I'd always wanted to go to LA because of the whole growing up around Dynasty and Melrose Place, and you know that that lifestyle that I, you know I dreamed of. And because um, I do fashion shows, I decided to do a fashion show in Los Angeles. So and I did, <laughs> I do, I did, I lived that Melrose Place lifestyle for a week. So you just went to to went to Los Angeles and organized a fashion to a fashion show. Yeah, I basically I've been in Liverpool Fashion Week for ten years. Uh, I've been planning to do one in Cyprus for two, but every time I try and do it, you know, some pandemic happens. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I've done I've done Liverpool and Manchester. Um, I've done Lord Mayor's Fashion Show for charity as well. So um, I've got a lot of connections, and I've never been to LA. I knew nobody there. But what I did was I went online and just found a venue, booked it, and then announced that I was doing the show. So then it was out there. And then I was committed to myself and committed for me to my followers on social media that I was going to do this show. Booked the flights, went on a recce with a friend. We went, it was like a week's holiday. Sourced designers, you know, everything, the models came back. And then with my knowledge, then I just PR'd, PR'd the crap out of it, basically. And, um... Uh, was it LA Fashion Week invited me to do their Fringe Festival? So yeah, 
And it was just, it was a, it was a dream. It was fantastic. One of my brothers is in New York, but he flew over. We spent a few days in Santa Monica and Venice Beach. It was just lovely. Oh, I love the West yeah. Coast. I love this area. But I love the way you're saying I PR the life out of it. How do you PR? How do you do that? I mean, give us some hints. Give us some tips because I've got a lot of people, entrepreneurs listening to this podcast. Well, this so, what, I mean. This is it. I, I. There's no tips. It's like hire a PR person. If you've got a toothache, you go to the dentist. If your tap is dripping, you call a plumber. You cannot, you know, there's there's hints and tips. And, you know, I've 30 years experience working in the media, building up contacts, building up relationships. If you send a press release to somebody, they're going to ignore it if they don't know you. If they know me, oh, it's Amanda, what she got? She's got a story. You know, I've built these relationships. You're paying for my expertise and my contacts to place you in places that you couldn't do. So that's what, you know, and also you're building a business. You concentrate on your business. You concentrate on making your business, your product, your service, the best that it can be and save the PR and the advertising to the experts so that they can do that. Because I always say you may have the best business in the world, but if no one knows about it, then you don't have a business. So give it to an expert to promote it for you. And it's like resources, isn't it? You're calling in the resources to to make, you know, you don't, well, I don't do my own accounts. We'll know the first thing about filling in a tax form. You know, you, you, you hire the experts, you put a team together and that's how you build your business. So talking to all your entrepreneurs, they want PR, they need to speak to me. That's amazing. And this is something that is so important. And, you know, people who talk about overnight success, overnight success is a preparation of 20, of 20 30 years. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, when I moved to Cyprus, my friends, who are not my friends anymore, because it's amazing. I, I just had this epiphany and I just, I just cut. Everybody out of my life who I, I didn't not I didn't like, who were mean to me, who who didn't give me value, who I didn't respect. It was just amazing. It was just, you know, and it's just been an, a really fantastic healing process as well. But I've forgotten where my train of thought was going there now. But um oh yes, about um people saying that they, they need to people are messaging me going, Oh my god, you're so lucky you're in Cyprus. Oh my god, you're not and I'm just like, I've had a business mentor for 12 years. And it was like, Amanda, this hasn't happened overnight. We've sat in sessions and you said, I want to have a magazine in Cyprus. And you've made it happen because you've built the foundations in the UK. And with that knowledge and, and expertise, it's transferable to, to where I want to be. Yeah, like you say, yeah, you you cannot. I mean, yeah, there's luck. Like there's people who say that they lose three stone in like a week or something. It just doesn't happen, does it? That is just so unrealistic. And I think also a lot of gullible people are actually um, taken for a ride by people who sell them. Well, it's, it's also laziness on the part of the people. If you don't put in the work, then you're not going to get the results. I did drop three stone, 25 kilos. Took me 18 months to do it, but I go to the gym for two hours a day, five days a week. I don't do diets. I eat what I want. I drink what I want. I don't watch calories or anything like that, but I put in the work. And that's like you say with anything, everything is possible. 
You know, even when people say, oh, I wish I could travel. You can. You get a passport and you book a flight. It really is that simple. (laughs) The thing is, like you are saying, everything is possible, but everything is possible if you put in the work. You've also mentioned the word manifesting a few times. Yes, you manifest, but you put in the work. You cannot say, you know, you cannot sit on the sofa and say, I am now going to become a famous podcaster (laughs) and uh, and then hope for the best. You know, you have to find the right people. You have to find people. Like in my case, you have to find a good team who cuts your, edits your stuff. You pay people to do the things that you don't know how to exactly. do well. You, you pull in everybody's expertise and, and, you know, and then you all come together and build something that's really brilliant um, and inspirational. And that's that, that's what you do, isn't it? You know, so, yeah, I, in summer, there's a million pictures of me on the beach in a bikini because I can work from anywhere. I can work from my phone. You know, my email is you know, obviously remote. So I can be selling on the beach. I could be talking to clients on the beach. Um, and I'll be posting those a picture saying, love your lifestyle. And I'm in a bikini with a beautiful turquoise seat behind me. And people are like, oh, on the beach again, not working. <laughs> I think you're doing that a little bit on purpose, aren't you? To punish all the people that you don't like anymore. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. What can I say? I've got a sting in my tail. <laughs> but no, but at the same time, I have a huge following of women who have seen me when I was fat, I was fat, um, and they've seen my journey and they were like, oh, I, you know, I wish I could do what you could do, but I can't. And I would say, as I say, you can, you, you can. But I, like I say, I've made huge sacrifices. I got divorced. I left my children. It hurts me every day that I'm not kissing my children, my little ones goodnight. And my, you know, my youngest is eight. My eldest is 21. So the oldest ones, you know, it's fine. But, you know, it's it's hard, really hard. The fact that I've got six and they're a pack and they're together and they're with their dad, I know that they're not suffering. They're not. But, yeah, you make sacrifices. And also, I, I don't have time to find a, a relationship. I don't want to be in a relationship. I'm building a business. I'm building a future. Because in the past, you know, my finances have been pretty poor if I have if I have a hundred pounds, I'll spend 110, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but I'm really bad. I never had any advice on, on money management, but when I hit 50, I changed my mindset. I've been reading loads of books. I'm starting saving and now I'm starting to plan for my future. You know, I love working. I work till I'm dead, but you yeah. know, but at least I want to be able to leave a legacy for my kids that actually they can either take on or sell or something just you know I want to I'm sort of like growing up really (laughs) yeah sometimes it takes a little longer but you're doing a good job I think let's get back a little bit to most memorable journeys what was your most memorable journeys do you have one or has it not happened yet so many I had a lovely train trip Uh, we were on a cruise um, a med cruise and we went to Florence and we, we were on a trip on, well, we were going to Florence. We were on a, we landed at Venice, I think, or wherever the nearest place was. And then we had to get the train to Florence, but we were so busy enjoying the scenery. We forgot to get off Florence and stayed on the train the whole way and up the coast. It was just like stunning. And that was really lovely. Um, I've been on the QE2 the year before it, um, you know, went out of service. That was great. and. I like to do things that other people haven't done. You know, you know, you go to an all-inclusive, you go to a hotel with a pool, you can be anywhere in the world. It doesn't, you know, most people don't step outside the hotel and actually see what's going on. 
Israel was fantastic. I've been to Israel four times. I find that quite spiritual, but also, but I prefer Cyprus as a spiritual place. Although Israel was quite disturbing. I was on a kibbutz when I was 16 and we were picking watermelons and there was bombs going off at the, the Gaza Strip, which was which we heard and saw smoke. So that was that wasn't, you know, great. Quite memorable. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> let me think. There's just so many memorable. I think also going up to Cairns, I think that was my I, I love the heat. I love, you know, I really love the heat. So going up to Cairns, I think that was my first experience of, of feeling 48 degrees heat. It was so hot, I couldn't breathe. I just literally got back on the train. I got out at Cairns to, to do what I was going to do. And it was like um, a postcard on the train, and it was like a huge drop. As the, as the train curved, you saw the bridge and the forest. Yes, going through the rainforest in Australia. In Kuranda, yes, that's the, the Atherton Tableland. Yes, I've yeah, been there. I think that was probably the most memorable, because actually going through a rainforest not mm-hmm. something you can do every day and having to chop your way through. Be careful of the snakes. Be careful of the spiders. Just Yeah, it's just like, great. <laughs> I don't know what my next yeah, adventure would be. I, I've, I'd like to go to Vietnam. I'd like to go there. And I really want to go to Thailand because I'm really spiritual and I meditate a lot. And there's a lot of, um, um, you know, spiritual places there that I'd like to go to. So they're the only two places in the world that I, I really want to go to. Thailand, Vietnam. Tell me about Cyprus. Which is your favorite place in Cyprus or which do you find the most spiritual place in Cyprus? I know it probably sounds ridiculous. And Ayanapa to me is the most spiritual place. The beaches are just the best in the world. And I can say that because I've been to a million beaches. The, the water the clarity and then going for a walk down Cape Greco is lovely on that coastline but sitting on the beach Macronesis beach this is great because I love the music and uh, you know and the vibe but Macronesis or Conos and um, watching the waves everything is just like uh, great I, I've hold, I do hold retreats in Cyprus to people back in the UK that come out for like three four days and I take them around the eastern side of the island and um, I, again, I bring in experts with them. One of my friends is um, an angelic healer. And I remember we were in the, in the sea, we were lying back in the sea. And, and every time I get in the sea, I think of this. She goes, lie back and let Mother Nature hold you up. You know, it was just like so beautiful. But when I'm, I do mm-hmm. open water swimming, obviously. Um, and when I'm swimming in the sea, I go out right up to the boys where it's really deep and no one can see you back on the land. And that's where I do my my affirmations and my gratitude chants. That's where I do it. I have to be out in the sea in Ayanapa. Yeah, it's just for me. I feel you because um, being and and as you said, lie back and let Mother Nature because it's meaning it it means and trust trust the yeah. process, let go and uh, and always believe that everything works out for your highest good. I think this is very beautiful. Can people book you? Can people come and and uh, get in touch with you and you organize? Yeah, absolutely, that? get in touch with me through my Instagram, Amanda Amanda Lifestyle PR. I hold them twice a year. I normally do them in April and. September, October. I don't do them in peak season. One, because it's too hot. Secondly, it's too busy. 
Uh, I'm not doing it in April because um, still with the pandemic, people coming out of it. And also I'm doing the positive awards in Liverpool in April, so I'm quite busy with that. But I'm planning on doing one um, end of September in Cyprus. And it really is, it's, um, it's people who want to step out of their comfort zone. It's not like, you know, nine to five of workshops. There's a lot of free time for you because you have to actually just walk and think. I think too. Um, mm-hmm. So we, um, I bring in my, as I said, my business mentor, who is now a friend of mine. Um, he helps me grow my business, and he comes out. He's uh, he's like a Tony Robbins kind of guy, and he's all about, you know, focusing on your goals, letting go of baggage. You know, some of the best advice he gave me was stop being busy for the sake of being busy. You know, you don't always have to be yeah, busy. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's basically. Yeah. Planning your time, making time for you. Like for me, two hours in the gym every day, that is non-negotiable. That is my time, you know. Getting my lashes done for two hours once a month, again, non-negotiable. It's making time for yourself and learning to love yourself as well because I have terrible self-worth. So I've had two years, probably two years of counselling over that. But again, um, you know, coming out for marriage and stuff, um, it's, it's people come from all walks of life to the retreats. People are divorced. People are, you know, they hate their job. They want to leave their job. They hate their kids, but they don't want to say they hate their kids. They hate, hate, hate. We turn the hate of love, yeah. basically. And we yeah. show, hate is not a good thing. Yeah, and we show them that there's possibilities. They, everyone has a choice. You have a choice to react to the way someone speaks to you. You have a choice how to react to whether you want to go to that job or not. You know, you, every every mm-hmm. decision in your life is is you are in control of. But people don't think, oh, God, I've got to say that, I've got to pay the mortgage, I've got to do this. And But actually, so yeah. I teach people. Yeah. I mean, I've had some amazing success stories from the retreats. Uh, one woman, she left a job, set up her own business within three months. There's another woman who retrained um, somebody left their abusive partner. Somebody just learned to love themselves and just happiness comes from within. You know, that was something. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, yeah. I do these retreats for me as well. But I see that with my coaching clients. I grow with yeah. every single coaching client Definitely. I work with because some of their issues are my issues. And um, that is so important to understand because nobody has ever finished learning. Definitely not. And if you do, it's so funny. My daughter was in the pool. She's 19. She was in the swimming pool um, last summer. And she's like, I believe I'm fully developed now emotionally. Um, So I don't think I'm going to grow anymore. I'm like, (laughs) I laughed. I laughed. And she was like, what are you laughing at, mom? And I'm like, seriously, you need to write that down. Because I'm still learning, <laughs> I'm still growing, I'm still changing. And if you stop growing and stop stop wanting to educate yourself, then what is the what is the point of living? What's the point of existing? So, oh, I'm reading this book. I've got this book at the airport. Just started it. Uh, how the mighty fall. How the mighty yeah. fall, and why some companies never give in. So it's all about some really massive companies that huge bolting billion companies that have fallen and then how little ones succeed. So it's just like the tortoise of the snail. Again, it's just, again, I'm always trying to read, get more knowledge. That's what we teach on the retreat as well. Because people are like, oh no, just go on social media. And social media is yeah, so, of course. 
everybody knows something on social um, media. But, you know, now, I mean, the bottom line of what you're saying is that um, we always have a choice how we want to react to any given situation in life because it's not what happens, but it's how we, are, we react. And the other thing is you either grow or you die. Exactly. I think that is, the, that is the, the concept of life. And I am looking at the time we are coming close and, and coming to the end of this interview. Any last words, Amanda? I just want to say very quickly that another thing that I love about traveling and living in Cyprus in particular is that I have friends from so many different countries. When I'm in the UK, all my friends were British and it was, you know, you grew up in the same environment. And when you when you live in a different country, I've got friends from Italy. I've got friends from um, Slovakia. I've got friends from America. I've got friends, Cypriot friends and, you know, Polish friends. And the fact that this island is just a hive of all these entrepreneurs and immigrants like us, I love it. I love going out with all these people and hearing their stories and having these friends from all over the world. I think that's um, empowering and also so important because you learn from them, don't you? Oh, totally. And I think another thing that this gives you and that traveling gives you is to understand that at the end of the day, we're all the same. Because when you start talking to them, they all they all have the same issues. They all have the same problems. They all have the same needs like we do. So um, it brings makes the world so much clo- smaller. I mean, it, I think Cyprus is quite special when it comes because it's a tiny place, a tiny country with a huge uh, diff- amount of people from different places. And that makes it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. It, it, the first, I'd never heard of Cyprus before I came here. I just got invited on a viewing trip and I literally stepped off that plane and felt I'd come home, and within 24 hours, I'd put a deposit down on a property. <laughs> That's Fun. great. That's what wonderful. Let's hope that you will always enjoy Cyprus. Thank you so much, Amanda, for this Thank interview. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been lovely. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.